Good morning. Jehovah God, God our Creator, He truly is the Almighty Everlasting One. He is infinitely immeasurable, and no one and nothing can be compared to Him. Everything that we know of him and everything we know about him is because of what he has revealed about himself. His works, his words, that's everything we know. And this one God, our God, is to be feared and he is to be obeyed by all of us. But not just by us in this room, but as well as by all of the world that he created. The Holy Spirit, though, has preserved for us some of the mighty things that he has done, that he did, by revealing them to us in the scriptures. And when we read from our Bibles, truly there are some awesome things that our Father has done in the past. And he has not changed. He is still an awesome God and still very much an immeasurable God and one who can do mighty things still. But these stories, these Bible stories that we have learned perhaps in our childhood are sometimes forgotten stories. Or at least, if not entirely forgotten, they get pushed back on our memory shelf And it starts to kind of clutter some dust. And so we need to be reminded from time to time. Reminded again of how awesome God is. Of the mighty things that he has done. The fact that we need to remember who he is. So that it will motivate us and impact us in such a way that we will press onward. We will press upward in faithfulness toward him. God is the one who actually caused people to be scattered abroad. When you think about this globe of ours and all the continents and all the countries that exist, it is God who scattered mankind across the lands. It is he that did that. And he did it by languages. If you will open your Bibles, your Old Testaments, to Genesis chapter 10, we're going to begin at the very last verse, verse 32, and read on into the 11th chapter as we consider this morning and remember the mighty hand of God at work in our universe and in our world and in history long past. And so the spied word reads in verse 32 of the 10th chapter, these are the families of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies by their nations. And out of these, the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. 
And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They also said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. It's a story that many of us begin to learn in our childhood years. And it's one that we really don't study much. But we know know the account. We know about how they tried to build this tower into heaven. and And then it's called Babel. And then you had all these languages appear. I want to suggest, first of all, to you, what this account from God tells us is something about us. It's something about the human race. And that is, over and over again, man elevates his own thinking above God-ordained purposes. Throughout the whole scriptures, the holy scriptures, we are told about man's struggle and particularly the struggle with ourselves, the struggle that man has with himself, and then in turn the consequences that that struggle produces because of where their ungodly desires lead them. That's really the, the whole story of the Bible tells us about the struggle that man has and has had since the beginning of time. And we see clearly here in this account, even by the words of God himself, that when, when men put their mind to work, when they unite together their plans, men can accomplish some great things. God recognized this here. God recognized the great thing that these men were doing, that they accomplished it because they united themselves and they worked together. Just think about that for a moment. The ability, the sheer ability of image bearers of God to use available resources is really an amazing thing. That God created us with the ability to accomplish great things. Achievements are possible. Why? Why 
can man achieve so much? And why has mankind already achieved so much? It was because we are intelligent beings. But why are we intelligent beings? Well, it's because from our very origin, from, our, from the beginning of time and still our existence is all linked. It's all connected to the fact that we have an intelligent creator. We are intelligent because our creator is an intelligent being. And so you consider just the achievements humanity has accomplished from the beginning of time to the year 2022. Just to mention a few. Take, for example, the ability to tap energy sources. Think about what it took to be able to discover and utilize the energy sources that make our lives so comfortable. Our power goes off, you know, we go into a frenzy. You know, people didn't always have electricity, and they still breathed and lived and walked. How did we do that? God created us. Take home appliances. Take home appliances. Go back, let's say, two generations from you, or three, when you didn't have dishwashers, well, you had some dishwashers, but you did not have mechanical dishwashers or mechanical clothes washers. You think about all the home appliances that we have that, you know, we think, well, we kids can't live without it. You know, you can wash clothes with your hands. That is possible. You think about the idea of medical treatments or communication technology or the means of our transportation and how we can cross the globe in a few hours. I mean, just in hours, not, not just da- not days and weeks or months or years, but in hours, we can go around the world. It doesn't take 90 days to do it today. When men unite, it's almost limitless what men can do. But at the same time, when you look carefully at this account in Genesis 11, and yes, you see man's achievement that came about because they united together with a, a, a united purpose and plan. And what we see is that human advancements or human pursuits are sometimes for selfish reasons. It is there in verse 4 of our reading this morning in Genesis 11 that they said, okay, let's, let's, let's get together, y'all, and let's, let's build a city and let's build a tower. Why? He says, because we want to build it for ourselves. We want to make a name for ourselves. So you begin to see some insight into the thinking of men, the human race. And it may be intentional or it may be simply by carelessness, but as a result of that, man often strays from the path, from the purpose that his creator has given him. And that's what's going on here. 
When they said, okay, let us, let's build a city, let us build a tower, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. That's what God wanted them to do. But God is fully aware. He's fully aware of the tendency of man's heart. He he created it. He knows what he can do. And the tendency, as we have already read in our reading this morning at the beginning of our our assembly there in the 8th chapter, verse 21, where where God says that the intent or the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. God knows that. He knows, he's fully aware of where the heart of man can go. And that it can go and often goes, if not most of the time goes, down the wrong path. God's instruction from the, from the beginning was to multiply and fill the earth. That was God's plan from the beginning. You see that in Genesis 1. Verse 27, 28, when God addresses Adam and Eve and tells them, what what is your purpose on earth? One of the purposes was to multiply and fill the earth. And in so doing, glorify their creator. It's repeated again in Genesis 9, after the flood. It's repeated to Noah and his sons when he says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so in Genesis 11, what the story is about, it's a story about rejection. It's a story about disobedience. It's a story about men elevating their thoughts, their desires, their wishes above God's design. Above God's purpose. Isn't that the root struggle of mankind throughout history? Isn't that sometimes even our own personal struggle? Where we want to put our thoughts, our feelings, our will and wishes above God's design, above God's purpose and God's plan. But God takes notice, He always takes notice. And as a result of what God takes note of, God accordingly then acts justly. In Genesis 11 verse 5, you know, as these events, this construction is, is taking place, and it says, then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men have built. The Lord came down to see. Don't you find that an interesting expression Isn't it somewhat intended to give us some insight into God, into his nature, and into his approach to humanity, to those that he made and has made in his image? You know, God checking out this event more closely does not mean he couldn't see what was going on down below. He already saw. He he knew what was going on here. But rather, it implies that he is a God who searches the heart and he examines a matter thoroughly. He came down to see. 
God's purpose, God's plan, God's decisions, God's judgments are not made on a whim. He does not come to his decisions made on some cursory glancing at something. No, God saw what was going down and he came down to see. God himself was and God still is very much involved in the affairs of humanity. And he is able to do so without ever violating man's free will, your free will. He still gives each and every one of us the power and the ability to choose for ourselves, even if he knows we're going to choose wrongly, poorly, and in rebellion. God is involved. He sees, he comes down to check it out. To check out the universe and the earth because why? It is his creation. It's his. It belongs to him, not to us. It's his creation. And man is his created image bearer. God has always been a God, even in the early pages of Genesis, a God that looks carefully at what is going on among humanity on earth. Even there in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3, in Genesis 3, when it talks about, describes the idea that while God was walking in the garden, God calls out to Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? God came down to see. Did God know where Adam really was? Did he know what bush he was hiding behind? You better believe he did. That's what the psalmist David so eloquently and so so profoundly states in Psalm 139. (laughs) There's nothing hidden from the eyes of God. But yet, he came down to see, even in the Garden of Eden, in that unique relationship that Adam and Eve had before they destroyed it, before they lost what they had. They didn't know what they lost until they lost it. And wow, did they realize what a mistake they made. Or even in Genesis 6, when you talk about the story of Noah, and it talks about how, how God, as he sees what's going down on earth, the wickedness and how bad it really is, and it says God was grieved in his heart by that wickedness, by the wickedness he saw. God always takes notice. He always does. And that is why Paul, in the sermon to the Athenians in Acts 17, is able to say, he is not far from each one of us. Oh, yes, he is in the heavens. He is in that realm, the spiritual place where God is and all heavenly beings are. And that seems so far away, but from God's viewpoint, he is not that far away from each one of us. The distance that we feel is because of our own short-sightedness. It is because of our own misconception. That's what caused us to feel 
this concept of there is this insurmountable chasm between us. It's our, from our viewpoint, but from God's viewpoint, it's not that far. Not at all. And so God came down and he he saw what was going on. He took notice. And so God acted accordingly in a just way. And what did he do? Well, God then scattered men abroad across the earth. And he did so through different languages. Did you notice there in verse 7 it says, when God says, come, let us, let us, go down, and there confuse their language. Remember, there's only one language at this time. And he says, let us confuse their language singular so they will not understand one another's speech. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit always work together. They have always worked together, and they will always work work together in absolute perfect oneness to carry out the divine will, a will that, was, that is always and will always be for man's ultimate well-being. You know, man's plans here in Genesis 11, in building this city and building this tower, would not have been for the good of mankind in coming generations. They thought it was good, but no, it would not have been good. It would, be, it would have been to their detriment. It would have been to their destruction. So God intervened here and he scattered them abroad. How? And he did it through language or languages. From creation up to this point. And this is kind of hard, I think, for us to really comprehend Because we have no experience like it. But from creation up to this point in man's history, everyone, absolutely everyone spoke the same language. Literally, the word language here in in the Hebrew is the word lip. They all had the same lip. That's almost a little bit humorous to us. But the point is, it is they spoke in the same language. They spoke in the same vernacular. They spoke you know, in the, with the same words. And it's because of that, they have this great understanding. And that's what God says you know, about, you know, I'm going to confuse them so they don't understand one another. Because right now they understand each other, and when they and by their unity, they are going against my plan for mankind's well-being. Man's thoughts were corrupting God's plan, and so God came, He saw, and He acted, and what He did, He confused the language. Now, you can't probably see well on this PowerPoint, this tree of languages. And having on it some of the modern languages of our day. And how did did those languages evolve and come to the point as as we see them? And so perhaps you can see some of the the bigger words, English, Spanish, uh, 
and so on. And so you, you kind of see some of those big ones, and, but you can't, you can't really see all the other languages that were before this time. Well, none of this, you know, this tree wasn't in existence until Genesis 11. This tree was not in existence until Genesis 11. You didn't have multiple languages until Genesis 11, but it didn't take generations upon generations of changing language, going from ancient, you know, old language that changed into modern language, and so on and so on. That's not what happened. What happened in Genesis 11 is God acted, and suddenly everybody could not understand everybody. God did that. God confused the language by creating multiple languages so that now we can't understand each other. And so what, what's going to do? Well, you're going, to all, you're going to all huddle together with those that are talking with your same language. That's not for us to speculate how God, you know, if God divided families on that. You know, you know, God would have been just and right in what he did, but he was going to accomplish his purpose that had been from the beginning, that is man is to multiply and be fruitful and fill the earth. And man tried to stop that plan. And God says, you're not stopping my plan. And so God created confusion. And that confusion caused them to Scatter abroad across the lands. Just think about this idea. This, the same creator who created, who made the mind and the body with the ability to communicate. Not, you know, so you think both intellectually, emotionally, and physically. God made us to be able to communicate as we do. It is that same God that established multiple languages. When he created Adam and Eve, there was one language. And that language was, you know, continued until Genesis 11. And then God suddenly made multiple languages in order to achieve his purpose, you know, which is for the good of mankind without violating their free will. What an amazing story. To see God's hand at work in the, in the affairs of men as he acts on the benefit of all. And then you come to the New Testament. And you come to a time where now men, men are united how? You're united through Christ's gospel in spite of language barriers. Languages divide us, and they still divide us, even to this day. Language is a cause of division, a very natural cause. And so think of the, the, the idea of different languages with different cultures, how, how they present unique challenges. But what is impossible for men is possible for God. Mankind has filled the earth, and they has filled the earth according to God's plan, and now it is God's plan to take his gospel to all the earth now, to take that message of Christ to all men. 
In Matthew and Mark, we are told, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Or go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations to the point that in Paul's lifetime, in Paul's lifetime, recorded there in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, the gospel had spread into the whole world at that point. God made that possible. God made it possible that they could carry one message, one plan of salvation, one means of redemption to all countries, to all languages. God made that possible. And how did he do it? He did it through the Holy Spirit. You look there in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when the gospel is being preached by the apostles for the first time after the ascension of Jesus Christ back to heaven. And we see here in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit, who was poured out on the apostles, were empowered to preach the gospel and to do so miraculously to an audience that represented multiple countries. In Acts 2, verse 4, he says, The apostles were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Another word could be with other languages as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And that's why the audience could ask and and respond, How is it that we each hear them in our own language, in our own tongues to which we were born? And a number of those nations and people are listed. The ability was not just the apostles doing here. God scattered man by confusing a single language. God now unites men by a single message. But he has to make it available to multiple languages. And so the Father and the Son and the Spirit worked together here proclaiming words of salvation. The apostles did not sound forth incoherent babbling. That is not what happened on the day of Pentecost. That they were just babbling on and you didn't know what language it was. Which apostle spoke which language? No, they were in words, understandable words that convicted receptive hearts. God was at work again, making his plan available to mankind for the good of all men. You continue studying in the New Testament, you see the Spirit continue to work in similar ways. When you think about New Testament Christians, not just apostles, but New Testament Christians as well, are given this temporary, miraculous gift of tongues, of languages that they had not learned through study, you know, so this is dispersed among Christians in the first century. Why? Well, it was done so that they would be able to convict unbelievers about the Son of God in a language that the audience could understand. And so when you turn to 1 Corinthians, you begin to study those chapters, 12, 13, 14, you see a number of statements that are made in regarding to the gift of tongues, the gift of languages. In the 12th chapter, we are told that the gifts of tongues or in the gifts of interpretation of tongues 
were in the number of those miraculous gifts. And in verse 11 it says, And one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. In that, this presentation, we're told in the 13th chapter, verse 8, that this gift would be temporary. That one day, this gift would cease to be. But in the meantime, it is being used for what reasons? It's being used for the purpose to convict hearts, the unbeliever, concerning Jesus Christ. As you look there in the 22nd verse of the 14th chapter, so then tongues are for a sign to those are not assigned to those who believe, but to the unbeliever. The gift of tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. Why? So they could be taught in the language they understood. And in so doing, the message then could convict honest, receptive hearts. In verse 26... When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. It was all for the well-being and the growth of individuals in Christ. To me, it's just, it's just so interesting and amazing to consider the fact that it was the making of different language, the establishing a different language is what scattered man throughout the world. And so we, we have humanity on every, you know, almost every continent living and, and surviving and, and multiplying and thriving. But now there's one understandable message, a message that is available to men in their language. I didn't take the time to Google how many different lang- modern languages exist today. Or the time to, well, how many, how many you know, different you know, languages has the Bible been translated into? But it meets the need. God has made it possible that the one message that unites people in Him, in His Son is available to them in the language they can understand. The idea of uniting all kinds of people in one kingdom under one king, and that's Jesus Christ. God put a stop to that ancient building project. It ended. Because that was God's doing, and he did it by creating or making or establishing different languages so that men would scatter and not stay in one spot. Fulfill the earth as God created it to be filled. And you think about that idea, that same God, that mighty, awesome God wants to save you. He wants to save you. And he does so through his plan. Not yours and not mine, but his plan is what will save you. And that plan centers or revolves around Jesus Christ. Jesus, who's the Son of God. Jesus, who came to earth to die a death so that he could atone 
all those who call upon him. If you've not called upon the name of the Lord in obedience to the one true faith, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we want to encourage you to do that today. Do not delay. But you must believe. You must believe with all your heart, not only that God is, but that God, Son, Jesus, is the Christ and is the Lord of all. And with that faith, you must be willing to confess with your mouth that you believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of God, and with that confession, repent of the sins that you have committed, the sins that have plagued your life, and separate you from God, and then be buried with him in baptism, immersed in water as Jesus commands, and you'll be raised up to walk a new life, and you'll be adopted by God as his son and daughter, and you'll become numbered among the one people who adhere to one message. Whatever your spiritual need may be, we encourage you, we invite you, we plead with you. Please come forward, make your wishes known while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.